The 70s was a whimsical time for rock. <coughs> we recording? Check, check, check. Welcome, everybody, to Tokyo Garden. Uh, tonight we have Tom and Joseph Finley's on film. Ba-da. Yay! I prefer I prefer restrained applause, but uh, Wilder will work. Okay. Thanks for that intro, Mike. Thanks, Mike. Hey, let's give a big hand to Tokyo Garden for allowing us to use their space. Come on, everyone. Absolutely. Thank you, guys. This is a fabulous venue. Good people listening at home to this podcast. If you find yourself stuck in Fresno and you're looking for a good place to satisfy your craving for tempanyaki, sukiyaki, sake, sushi, or beer, look no further than Tokyo Garden at 1711 Fulton Street. That's Tokyo Garden, home of the world's smallest caged Godzilla. Mm-hmm. We'd also yeah. like thank you, applause everyone, of course. Yeah. We'd also like to welcome comedian Heath Reedy to the podcast. Hey Heath. Hey, how's it going? Good. How are you doing? I'm I'm doing. Tell what? us a little about yourself. Talk to us. Oh, uh, well, my name is Heath. <laughs> Good start. <laughs> well played, sir. Yes. Uh, yeah. I, uh, Reestablishing the fact. I, I like it. Do comedy, and uh, this will be my second podcast. So Beautiful. Nice. So I'm breaking the ice on that, and that's, yeah, I'm excited. All right, All right. Give it up for Keith. Heath. Heath. <laughs> Sorry. Heath Reedy. Listen, is anyone interested in hearing a little story before we begin? A little Japanese folklore to get us in the mood the for real, Godzilla. Yeah. The real question is, does anybody have a choice? You have no choice. <laughs> yeah. One very early case of something strange prowling in Japan's rivers comes from the 1800s, when a river in Japan was said to be inhabited by a population of strange seal-like creatures said to attack and disembowel anyone who came across them, yet leave no bodies uneaten. Wow. The animals were four to five feet long, with scaly fish-like bodies, seal-like faces, sharp teeth, and human-looking manes of hair on their head and necks. They were said to often haul themselves out of the water to congregate on the banks of the river, where they would engage in rowdy, boisterous behavior, playing and fighting amongst themselves while filling the air with the relentless barking cries. But I just picture them listening to a lot of uh, like Bon Jovi or something during oh, their beach parties. Another very early case of something strange and enormous prowling Japan's rivers was frequently reported in 1912, and most commonly known as the dragonfish. This monstrous fish was 10 feet long and sported a reptilian, alligator-like head and covered in bony armored plating with a formidable gaping maw filled with wicked fangs and the whole of the body dotted with haired, bony protrusions of some sort. I think I dated her. <laughs> So, look, we're looking at the March Madness of monsters here, in a way. The, bro- the brackets of monsters. The October Madness. The fact. October Madness of monsters. You've got your King Kong. King Kong fans out there? Okay. Come on. You've got Who your creature. like a good Kong? You've got your creature from the Black Lagoon. Mer. You've got the thing. You've got the aforementioned Japanese river fish monsters. You've got Bill Cosby. But I think each of these nightmares takes a backseat to Godzilla. For reasons the king of the monsters. we're about to see. And when I say see, by the way, since we're doing a podcast, I should say this. Of course we're not going to watch Godzilla because you need express permission from the movie company to watch it. It's immoral and it's illegal to show it without asking for permission first. For, so for some reason, we're going to cut away from our podcast, come back to an audience of cheering folk, and then talk about Godzilla. One last cheer, please. Thank <laughs> you.
Oh, good people. Thank you. Oh, you, All did, right. you didn't have to. Godzilla. Ishiro Honda's 1954 Godzilla. So many fucking things to say about this movie. Well, where do you want to start, Where Tommy? do you even start? I don't know, man. I mean, like, let's just talk about this thing from a historical standpoint, just for the, the, okay. the, the history of the movie. Yep. Yeah, I was reading this thing, uh, like, uh, some stuff on Godzilla online, and one person was like, is Godzilla a kaiju? Uh, which, I don't know. There's like an entire... No, Godzilla is the first kaiju. Well, we don't know what a kaiju is. Well, a kaiju is, is like, it's a, it's a, it's a huge genre in, in Japanese movies. It's okay. giant monster movies. He was the giant monsters who attack cities. He was the first one. So he actually created like an entire genre created. We're not just talking about Godzilla movies, but there's there's just tons of movies. Renan, all these other kaiju monster movies that that, that Japan that are that are huge in Japan. He seems like a, a conglomeration of other monsters in a way, right? Because it's like he's he's a little bit of Frankenstein in that he's a sort of like um, mutated right cobbled um, together experiment cobbled together or something else, gone, right? Gone horribly awry again. Still, there's a zombie like a Walking Dead quality to him because he's he's you know obviously it's this guy. In a, in a Godzilla suit. We can right. talk about the special effects in a second oh, here. Please. But, but um, he's just slowly marching around the city, um, not menacing. It's almost like the fact of him is menacing more than he's menacing. It's like they took Danny DeVito and unleashed a huge version of him on a city. There's something so fundamentally goofy <laughs> well, about the actual... The actual costume that is kind of like... It's kind of... Ah, it's so and, cute. And I think the zombie element, too, is... It's kind of present because, like, he survived the H bomb. Yeah, yeah, right. So, and it, like, it made it, him stronger. You know, it, like, he might just be undead. Like, yeah. Possible. Okay, so there's that <laughs> quality too. Oh, go ahead. No, and it gave him like I don't know, like radioactive corn corn chip breath or something <laughs> like that. So, so okay, so um, obviously it's it's a movie that's a, an allegory in, in terms of nuclear. Wow. You the know, war, yeah. winter. It's a, well, it's mm-hmm. the A bomb to the H bomb, right? right, right. The A to the H. Uh-huh. So, so I'm reading some stuff on this. One of the things that was noted was that Japan was occupied until 1952. But I don't know what the difference is between occupation and. I mean, we're still in Japan, right? Well, culturally, yeah. I mean, culturally, the occupation is still there. Okay. But we have, now we have bases. In well, Japan. that's what that's I'm talking different. about. Now like we, exactly what is the difference? Land I don't know. Now, as opposed to actually running the government and. Cre- Creating their government. Okay, so then, back then. then we have post-war like Bikini Island H- hydrogen bomb right, experiments, right. Mm-hmm. and so this is a film that is like not subtlety, subtly at all discussing oh, no, like no, you no, know no. Godzilla as a manifestation of mm-hmm. man's desire to kill man gone awry. Yeah, right. no, absolutely. In fact, they they, uh, they they sort of allude to it here with that the, the first ship. That gets sort of ruined by by Godzilla is yep. a, is a fishing ship, uh-huh. okay, a fishing vessel, which is which is reminiscent of like during the that that test, the Alpha Bravo test in in Bikini Atoll. In Bikini Atoll, uh, one of the big scandals that came out of that was a Japanese fishing trawler was downwind of that thing huh. and got hugely contaminated by radiation as a result of that. Right. Well, so, and you know the Alpha Bravo test. You've seen that picture. It's the it's the enormous one coming out of the ocean right. with all the ships around it, like that thing right there. It was one of the biggest a bomb tests, uh, hydrogen bomb tests. Sorry, that America ever did. And this is a period of time. Of, I mean, we may have some people in the audience too who, who grew up at a, a period of time where you were told to get underneath your desk. <laughs> yeah, right. As a sort of uh, yes. Am yeah. I getting yeses from the audience? Hide it, hide against a curb. Like I, I remember that one from my day. So, so then what is what is Honda uh, doing here? I mean, exactly um, who is he? Um, what what argument is he illuminating here? Like, is Godzilla like the manifestation of man's madness regarding hydrogen or or atom bombs or nuclear energy? Um, is it about is Godzilla like the West's manifest? I mean, is it you know exactly yeah, what is he fighting to, with Godzilla? It's kind of hard to avoid that, but but ultimately, I think he's like you know Godzilla is the manifestation of the H bomb come back to haunt us all. 
Okay. I mean, it, 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 of course, it, we appears off Japan, so it's going to fuck up Japan. So, but the implied is that once it's done ruining Japan, it'll just take on the rest of the world. What, what is anybody going to do about it, right? So is this unless you have the oxygen bomb? The, yeah. The, well, the anti-oxygenator, <laughs> right? Out of the ocean. It's going to take downtown, <laughs> take downtown Tokyo and every other downtown and make it all look like Stockton. So there. Oh my God, God. that's a that's a cruelty, sir. Well, but, Sorry. Wait, are we getting uh, pro Stockton? Somebody's defending here? Stockton. How Go ahead, Heath, please. Well, I. I think my question is like so he's basically a dinosaur. Okay. You know, because so, he yeah, he's, he's something from the, from the Jurassic from period. From the Jurassic period. Which is what anybody who knows nothing about dinosaurs is automatically says Jurassic. So oh. it's it's almost like a weird Jurassic Park scenario, but they just created one undead big Mohamba Majamba. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so like so yeah, so without the H bomb, like what would have happened to Godzilla? Well, were there like, many of them? Is oh, wait, you're he just asking, like the one? Like, that's interesting. So, so you're asking what would Godzilla be without the... Like, he, would he just be hanging around right. like a mollusk? Yeah. Or something like that? Well, the, the kind of applying There's to the some, movie that he wasn't created by the H-bomb, he was set free by the H-bomb. The H-bomb woke him from a slumber or, and or a cavern at the bottom of the ocean. But his question is a valid one. So there are there slumbering Godzillas is what you're asking. Yeah. Well, maybe. kind of applied well, at the end it, there. That maybe there was were. it the H-bomb that made And Godzilla what would Godzilla? global warming do to it? Well, um, our because as we destroy <laughs> the coral reefs, are we going to have like a million Godzillas? Listen, audience member, you can't do a drive-by question. By the way, you have to I stand can. there for the answer. And, and so, wait, are you are you are you positing that this film has like a Shakespearean or Homeric quality in the following way? Oh in that, oh, please, Tom, <laughs> in that um, it. Um, it it's a sort of a movable allegory. In other words, it's as it applicable movable, to, yeah. to yeah. the environmental situation as it is to the then perilous and immediate nuclear situation. Well, well, and I mean, like, let's get Al Gore in here. He would be saying, oh, my God, mm-hmm. we're going to release Godzilla, Super. right? Probably, yes. Well, I don't, well, I don't think to start up a Hummer is to drop an H-bomb. I think that's... Not necessarily, but, the, never, but, but I will say this. The last Godzilla basically <laughs> posited the same thing. That, that, that they took Godzilla and put him in, a, in a, an environmental context there. I mean, nuclear waste, but you know, like, what, what are we doing with nuclear waste? That kind of thing. So this last Godzilla movie was an iteration. So he is a movable allegory and has been used for certain other things over the years. Let's talk about this. Do you do do we empathize with Godzilla the monster yeah. or sympathize? Yeah. And, and why? And I feel in what sad way? when Godzilla died. I don't know. I said because it was like looking into a mirror time. At some point, what? yeah. I was like, this uh, monstrous studliness yeah, being, right. uh, being taken down by some pencil necks. Yeah. Well, I mean, okay, so part of it is the frame, like, I mean, all of it actually, not part of it, is the way that the movie sort of frames Godzilla, obviously. But, huh? but I mean, the music is uh, like... The music is great. It's terribly moving for yeah. a film that has both seriousness and, and like um, intermittent cheesiness. Right, right. And, and Which is only really cheesy now. It's only really cheesy in our eyes at this point, I think. Well, no. That's the point. They took it very seriously. Wait, wait, wait. wait. Some of the, the acting is sort of uneven, right? You have the guy who is in um, Akiro and Rashomon. Mm. Who, who's the actor? The, I don't know the guy's name, but he is like... Kurosawa in, actor. Every wise old the scientist. man in a, in, a, in a Japanese movie from the 40s and 50s was this guy. Surrounded by other terrible Japanese uh, yeah, actors, right? Great, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you have that. Yeah. Then you have Godzilla. That one guy rocked the shit out of an eye patch, though, I gotta say. Yeah, he wasn't bad. <laughs> he was nice. That was my favorite part, because that's the only thing that lended that character anything. It lent some gravitas. Wait, what do you, what, what do you expand on that, Heath? I, okay, so I think that like, it, 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 expand slowly. Yeah. Okay, like, it was the eye patch, like, oh. 
But <laughs> I don't even know what I'm saying. <laughs> this is well, he good. His, he, okay, because the implied well, that he lost his he lost his uh, his eye to like the A bomb. Oh, I, I don't know how he lost his eye. I don't think we ever. Yeah, they mentioned that. They, they were talking oh. about it. Okay, so what's your point? I don't know. I, I think it made him seem kind of like a Bond villain. Oh, and like so he was cool and mysterious. But he, he yeah, gives he, of he, himself he questioning. Huh? And also, like, I don't know, like depth perception, like that. <laughs> that is a problem. Yeah. Yeah. You don't want a proctologist taking care of Godzilla for sure. But but listen, w- w- the the question I have here is: Is this a movie that's suggesting that um, we're going to have to sacrifice ourselves to stop the thing that's going to kill like the whole planet or future generations? I don't know. That might be like a totally a Japanese context on that. Well, one. and didn't they say early on that like how they used to, uh, uh, there was something to do with exorcisms? But they were saying like they used to sacrifice, like yes. just send girls that's out a, on rafts. That's yep, a cop. Yeah. out a, there. Yeah, yeah. And so, when, like, why didn't they try that? Why didn't they try sacrificing that's more women? A, yeah. a really interesting question. Actually, come to yeah. think of it, that's probably not a bad question. Trump will bring that up during the next State of the Union. <laughs> well, address. I think we need an. El- <laughs> I think we figured out we need an electrified wall to keep the Mexicans out. That's, oh, Tommy. Oh, please. That very, very obvious very observation bad. at some point there. Now. Oh. Well, so I mean, but what I'm getting at is, it's, it's a movie that's it's it. We can make fun of it. It is kind of being lighthearted in some ways itself. Like, I mean, it's aware of its own. Like, a, a guy's in a Godzilla outfit. Right. He's picking up toy trains. At he's some, got well, one point. At some he's point. got like one in his mouth, like a dork. Yeah, total. Know. Yeah, he's a Godzilla the dork, and it's all that. But it's asking interesting questions. Like, you have the, the like the scientist guy who comes in and it's like, no, we can't. Don't kill, don't destroy what right. you've already... The menace you set loose, mm-hmm. deal with the menace that you have set loose by you know, living with it and studying it, right? Right, right, of course. And then everyone else who wants to save like, the immediate sort of future by, by killing... I mean, I'm, I'm just saying, like, it's, it's got those two sides to it. It's very serious and a very silly movie at the same time. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Well, do we understand like, what brought him out? Godzilla, like, what brought him out of the ocean? Like, what... What's the distinction between bringing him out? Are you saying like what? Because you posited, I think, correctly that that he's made menacing by the H bomb, whatever molecules or energy or something like that. But like, what yeah. brings him into Tokyo? Well, okay, so he's this Jurassic creature that's yeah. apparently been there. Okay, and so the H bomb was relatively recent in comparison to, you know, Jurassic period. Okay, this is okay. So and like it. And it didn't, like, make him bigger. It just, like, what did it do? Well, it made him nuclear. Like, he had the whole breath thing. That's, that's one okay. thing, for sure. I think, like, I don't know. I mean, like, basically, they like, so they're saying, like, this. he used to come in. They would feed him virgins. He used to come in whenever the fish would die out in the area. So whenever he was hungry, he would come towards land. I think that's what they implied in that first one. And so uh, when, when he was, you know, when he first appeared in that small village. Uh, so then I guess him finding Tokyo means, like, I don't know. He's following the fish or something like that. I was kind of surprised at how little Godzilla we got, too. I mean, I think that every iteration of Godzilla since then, we've had, like, Godzilla's a major part of the action. Right, and this right, one, right. it's like he just, it, it, he shows up occasionally. Right. Yeah, I'll go with you on that. He seemed also, I have to say, and at the same time, I thought, like, their take on, like, destroying Tokyo went on forever. That took a long time. It was, <laughs> but it all happens in one spot, is what I'm getting at. Yeah, so he yeah, shows yeah. up, like, four times and a lot at the end right. suddenly, right? Right, right, right. And I'm wondering why. It just why. messes up. just messes up old Tokyo. I don't know. Well, Ooh. also, like, the, there's this thing about the, the oxygen it's, destroyer. Yep. That uh, Tom made a, a funny comment during the movie that, well, you yeah, know, poor fishes. 
So, okay, how effective is Like, what's the range on the oxygen destroyer? Right. Yeah, and, I mean, like, what if like, that... Are we like, destroying killed... sea life? Like, what is the, the right. impact on the, the to Great our... Barrier Reef, for instance? Yeah. How does this rate uh, compared to other 1950s movies? This is the same year that uh, Creature from the Black Lagoon came out. How would you compare this to someone who'd never seen this? Oh, it's a great movie. I love this movie a lot. I totally, yeah, I give this a total thumbs up. I would totally recommend it to anybody to watch. Well, that's not a comparison, though. I mean, like, how, how would you... Compare? Yeah. It, it's, it's, it's its own... It's its own... Um, it's a monster. No, it's like... I, how would it compare it to uh, Creature from the Black Lagoon? I would say it's probably not quite as good technically as Creature from the Black Lagoon, but I would say it's still a great movie. Still, still worth, worth checking out. Well, it seems to me like one of the differences is that the American monster movies of the 1950s want, like, it's an outsider that you should be afraid of. Right. Godzilla's an outsider that you should be afraid of, but there's a certain part of the population that wants to understand him, and that right. never happens in, that, yeah, that would not like, have happened Invasion in of the Body Snatchers <laughs> right. or right. Creature from the Black Lagoon. Or yeah, them. so in that sense, I guess it's a little more open-handed than your average American horror movie of that time period. Oh, enlightened one. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, good. and at the same time, like I just wanted to point out, we were we going to talk about the technical aspects of this movie at yeah. some point. Uh, one of the things that I found out was really cool, uh, which is they had intended originally to do Godzilla as a stop action, like a Ray Harryhausen movie. Another imp- uh, uh, another influence on this movie was called uh, was it the Beast from Twenty Thousand Fathoms or something? Wait, wait, like so slow down. So you're talking like a version of like claymation or something? Yeah, it's like yeah, stop yeah. action claymation. They were going to originally do that. They just didn't have they didn't have the time or the money to do that. It would have added like seven months to the shoot schedule or something like that Yeah, to try doing that. So they're like, ah, hell with it. Give it a rubber suit. Put it on this guy. Let's go. I don't think anyone cares. I mean, I like to pull, pull the audience. I mean, is, was it important to you that Godzilla was not believable? I mean, is he only not believable now? I mean, we weren't there at 54 when it was released. And no. at that point, no one had done anything like this before, had they? But how dumb do you think people were in 1954? Well, I mean, you're, you're I mean, sort of... Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it, it's. Wait, wait, wait. It's okay. So we're invested in Godzilla through the other characters who themselves are invested. But they were. But a lot of them were shitty actors. Or do you All disagree? Right. I don't know. Well, okay. get over to the microphone. Your name, sir. Hi, I'm Brendan. Hey, Brendan. Hello, Brendan. Hey there. Yeah. All right. Shitty quote. Shitty yeah, yeah. But, like, the characters believe it. Mm-hmm. The characters are constantly talking about what they are supposed to do about this thing. And if they weren't having serious conversations about it, I don't think anyone would, would care. Mm-hmm. So that's the idea. That's what makes it believable. Not necessarily the crappy puppets <laughs> at All times. Right. Yeah, there were some I think that's true about just about every monster movie that makes mm. a real impact. So it's really just getting the actors to, to make us believe they believe it. I mean, I would... Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. That's okay. Fair Thanks. enough. Thanks, Brandon. Cool. Mike? Ugh. The point I was trying to make was that we, we as an audience, have to just completely set aside the fact that this is a film. Like, for any film that we watch. So I think because of that, you're walking in going, I just want to be entertained. I just want to watch this. Oh my gosh, this fictitious 
creature in this fictitious place that kind of looks like or we can name it whatever and we're just going to name it japan even though you know because we live here yeah. and it's scarier for us if we do that but i mean every film is is that way and the more that we can believe it's true the more money we'll 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 make on it because uh i mean you look at something like the blair witch right i mean we we thought that that uh, when that was uh, marketed it was a great marketing ploy and you you go watch it and then you're like oh this is crazy and then yeah. you're gone right yeah so I guess maybe that you would you would just say that that in, in olden days, like back when this was released, like suspension of disbelief, they had just had a better access to it. They weren't, they weren't suffering from quite as much irony poisoning as we are. I don't know. Our friend Evan Monroe Faulkner, who I think I just saw walk in, yeah, um, posted a picture on Facebook recently of an audience in 1960 watching Psycho, uh-huh. and there's one Psycho woman who's like gleefully smiling and it's apparently a shot that they took while um, Janet Lee was being stabbed in the shower <laughs> but like nine other people are like mouths agape like cigarettes falling out of their mouths uh, in terror so it is possible that you know mm-hmm. I guess it's just a product of the time but here's the thing I noticed is that I think people enjoyed this film but I, I noticed people laughing at parts that I think that Honda was not intending for people to laugh yeah, probably. I mean it's a, it's a failure of the film, and sometimes like a failure of the film becomes a success. Fifty years later, when you watch it, it's your favorite thing, Tom. Which is like a movie that has is good because some elements of it are bad. And mm. I'm not saying this is a bad movie. I'm saying there are moments that don't hold up, but those moments hold up in a different way because it's like we get to sort of yeah, like pull back and make fun of them. Yeah, they become funny, you know, with irony. And then. and and do they not hold up because, like. <laughs> We're able to go watch Jurassic World three, and see CGI right. dinosaurs that could essentially they, and to us they appear real, and I think that's just what we're conditioned. Yeah, I get. Seeing. I, well, so, that's the. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Like, so to like to to put yourself in the shoes of somebody watching that mm-hmm. as it's brand new. This right. is what I kept thinking about. What I, about forty years from now? Is Jurassic Park going to travel? I or know. People are going to think it's ironic then, you know? Well, here's why. I have the answer for everything here. The, the reason. I know you think the, that. The reason that Godzilla travels, despite the fact that the technical aspects don't travel, is that it's not, to some degree, it's not a film about Godzilla, mm-hmm. right? It's like we've talked about this before, right? Like, Star right. Trek's not really about Star Trek. The Hustler's not really about Pool. It's like these are the vehicles for talking about, like, quote unquote, the human condition. And the human condition here is like, what mess, what have we done? It's right. some version of Oedipus. Who, mm-hmm. who wrecked the city? Oh my God, it's me, right? So it's, it's sort of like that, that crazy type of irony, right? Right, right. Um, there isn't with Jurassic Park. Mm-hmm. Jurassic Park is so it's so CGI and green screen that there's no sort of larger point that can travel. Somebody fight me on this. Uh, well, Jurassic Park is kind of like we created this. Uh, but once that uh, it's, it's a little bit more direct. It's kind of the punchline. It's sort of like you start there and then where do you go with it? Everything well, else it's not is just about watching Wayne Knight. What's that? It, it's the same thing, but it's just not metaphor. It's just yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, okay, well I lost. I, I tried to be in the old. Fuck there, and I lost. Sorry. Don't worry, Joe. You, you'll get it. <laughs> I'll get You're it almost there, baby. Fair enough, man. Old fuckville. Yeah, yeah. Population, yeah. Okay. All right. What else? Uh, I don't know. What else? Do you want to get a guest in here? Uh, See if somebody has a question. Wayne, you got a little comment over there? Well, maybe I missed part of the conversation, but yeah, it please. seemed to me that uh, Godzilla represents the fear that we all have. <laughs> In this case, specifically, the use of the hydrogen bomb. And, you know, and the Japanese are really still concerned about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> they just had two big ones dropped on them nine years earlier. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so it is birthed by 
additional bombs being detonated. Yep. So Godzilla is the bomb. Right. In, in that respect. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. Did you make that point? We did, but we didn't make it nearly as well as you did. Oh, yeah, it's so not quite you. as eloquent. So, yeah. so, so this is what we fear. And Godzilla becomes a representation of what we fear. And then, right. of course, there's the logical minds that say, yeah, but we can learn from this creature. Right, right. We can learn from our fear. Or destroy our fear and not, never face it. Sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so there, the question is, well, gee, what's going to happen to us rather than what's <coughs> going to happen to our fear, you know, mm-hmm. how we dissipate it becomes crucial. Yeah, right. And right. it certainly is in the flick, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, now, whether or not this is just a symptom of the 1954, I don't know. I was around then, mm-hmm. so <laughs> I didn't think of people being particularly stupid then. They just weren't offered mm-hmm. things. But you know what? This is a Japanese movie, and I really appreciated the way... <clears throat> The wording was synchronized with the with the written words down sure. below. Well, <laughs> by the way, I, I want to clarify. I don't think we're saying um, audiences of 1954 were stupid. Oh, <laughs> I, I might have said that, and maybe I misspoke. I guess what I meant was that um, not as sophisticated. So, like, if you if you go back to like um, like any Humphrey Bogart film, and like we love Humphrey Bogart, right? But on some level, the acting is not acting that we would accept if that movie were released today. Right, and so it's because cinema had been around for just a few decades rather than a hundred years, mm-hmm. and so there's a certain expectation of like you know acceptable level of acting, for instance. And so, mm-hmm. in 1954, there's a naivete yeah. and a sort of lowered expectation that you know, that's what I'm getting at. Yeah. Stupid yeah. is the wrong and I, word. And I think too that uh, you know the criticism of the technical aspects of mm-hmm. the movie just it wasn't as important as. You make it in conversation. Yeah, today. that's probably true. I mean, it wasn't it, to us now. It's a really kind blob, of an important value. For example, right. That would be more comparable. The blob. Oh, the fifty-eight American, version. American version of Godzilla being the blob. Mm-hmm. Right. A piece of shit movie, frankly. Which wait, wait, are you talking about the one with Steve McQueen in the fifties or the, well, the newer yeah, one? Well, yeah, Steve McQueen was in it, so he got his first break there. Mm-hmm. Sure, sure. And I liked everything he did after, but the blob sucked. <laughs> Scared okay. the hell out of us. All right. Yeah. You know, as nine, ten-year-olds. <laughs> Nice. Anyway, thanks for the yeah. Thanks, oh, man. Yeah, no, thanks, man. Cool. I wonder if it's like safe to say that like pretty much every like big horror movie at some point is capturing like sort of the weird fears of its era. Like that's what makes them. That's what makes it a, a, a mo- like a movie that's a, that's a important or B is impactful. So wait a minute, as a like, horror movie. What do you say? Like if it's like Friday the Thirteenth. Like Friday the Thirteenth. We're coming out of. We're going into you know sort of the Reagan years. Uh, it's the victim. Of, you know, it's the it's the uh, villainization of open sexuality. Well, I think that's it because every 70s. every seventies so, horror movie. My wife and I just saw Halloween with right. J B Lee Curtis, the seventy eight version. Every seventies horror movie is about it pairs. Getting laid with the, the getting person killed. who get laid is absolutely the first one to get killed yep. in, in all those movies. So, so that kind of horror movie, or you know, in in this case, so p- people closer to the actual a bomb being detonated over uh, on actual people, yep. that would that would of course manifest itself in this movie, of which is Godzilla. Yeah. All right, we have another guest. Hey, yeah, uh, yeah. I just wanted to share that um, I think that Godzilla is just a great, great movie. And I, I can say this because I remember seeing this when I was in the late 1950s. Yep. I mean, you know, I was, mm. I was born in 54, so I'm saying my parents let me watch this movie over and over again. Like, Good for them. Good parents. Okay, but 
Well, this is a great movie because I still remember when she saw the that whatever she saw and her face was like, oh, oh my right. god! Yeah. And I always wondered what why that scene was so, you know, what was she so afraid of? Right. To see that, but I remember a lot of the scenes. You know, the him picking up the train and <laughs> so. Right. Now, did you opinion, see the Raymond Burr version of this? I did, yeah, and that's what okay. I was telling my friend here. I'm mm-hmm. saying Raymond Burr's in this movie, and where is he? He was a reporter, <laughs> I think. Yes, he was. He was a reporter, and well, that's how many times I've seen this. They movie. took this movie when when they moved it to America. They reshot scenes oh, and added it in, oh, so people. But could. I, I do have to say mm-hmm. that yep. I must have seen this. With um, English, what is it? Um, the dubbing. The dubbing. Yeah. Because yes. no way when I was five years old or whatever that I was reading the subtitles. Mm. Okay. <laughs> yeah. But it was, I'm telling you, it was one of my most favorite movies. Well, one it's of, great. One of the things you're, you're pointing out, too, it's just interesting about this movie, and I don't know if it's a product of being a, a foreign movie or a Japanese movie or yeah. a movie from the 50s. Or, or both. A lot of things is that, like, for instance, I think something you mentioned that scene... Um, ultimately, what, what ultimately is shown to be the cure or the weapon that will kill Godzilla, right? When, when it's first introduced to us, this woman is shown the weapon, is horrified by it. We get a shot of her face. Right. Um, we get her screaming. And then it just sort of pans away, and they save it. They let it, let it linger for a while, and then they come back to it and reveal what the horror of that... Right. Um, oxygenating. It, it makes fish into like Garfield fish. Yeah, right. And 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 so, um, but I think that's a, like a subtle move that like um, it's easy to say like oh, an, a modern audience would stand for it, but I don't think an American audience would have initially. Yeah, stood maybe for not. It. Yeah. yeah. But it's interesting though. We did a, a podcast on um, Eve Montan, and one of the mm-hmm. films was Wages of Fear in '53. Oh yeah. This apparently went to Cannes the same year that Wages of Fear went to Cannes, really? and Wages of Fear is a, a French movie about some expatriates who, desperate for money, are. Given the task, yeah, this is a of, great podcast. I could recommend that would tell you all you about. You could listen to our podcast movie. on it, but but they're they're given the task of, of driving these um like ready to go like nitroglycerin in trucks up like a mountain pass yeah. and like rattly. It's just through the through the jungle through a single jungle road. That, and in that, a way, it's a mess. It's a much in terms of an allegory for nuclear fear. It's mm. much more blunt and clumsy mm-hmm. than, than this movie is. So mm. I'm, I'm curious as to why that movie got so much more play in con than this movie. Did regarding that issue, it was just well. First time, I think it was just technically a better movie. Okay, Wages of Fear is just is just uh, just a, it's actually an elegantly shot movie. Hmm. This I don't think has that quality. I think it's got great qualities to it, but I don't think it's, but I don't think anybody would call this elegant cinematography. I accept your answer, sir. Yes, go ahead, sir. Yeah, my name's Albert. Yeah, Albert. Um, I, Hi, Albert. I, how you doing? Good. I think a Godzilla more is uh, a representation of the United States military, which unleashed the radioactive fire on Japan the same way Godzilla did, rather than as a representation of the bomb, the bomb itself. Mm-hmm. You know, and and kind of like it was unbeatable. To the Japanese, kind of like Godzilla was. Sure. Okay. Yeah. And mm-hmm. and you know invaded the home was you know invaded the homeland mm-hmm. and uh, so but um, also um, I think that that Godzilla is such a culturally significant movie even though it's produced overseas. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's and you, the proof of that is there are so many sequels and reboots and oh, reimaginings yeah, of it. Absolutely. I mean, w- there must be twenty. I think it's the longest running like I don't know about like series or whatever you'd want to call it in like the history of in the history of film. Yeah. Like there have been more sequels, more more reboots, more retakes on it than almost than I think any other film. Yeah, it beats out James Bond even I think. Good God. 
Well, I mean, he's pointed out so it's the metaphor, right? Or it's, it's a manifestation of the sphere, whatever it is. So it's like you can just keep like repositing that. Right. I mean, as long as we keep fucking up, there'll be a way to use Godzilla as a metaphor. Absolutely. He's going to be an Uber driver in the next movie. <laughs> It'd be perfect. <laughs> I do love the fact too that like just I've watched a number of Godzilla movies. This one here, first off, he uses his breath more than he does in most other movies. And most in most of his other later movies, that's like his weapon of last resort. And you inevitably inevitably have some point where Godzilla is doing some awkward karate thing. Oh, interesting! Like, like doing some kata thing when he's yeah. So it's kind of funny. It's kind of fun to watch it before it. It has that quality like Rocky before it got into its own, started buying into its own mythology. It was a better movie than any of the subsequent movies were. But it's weird how some how such like shitty filmmaking and great filmmaking happens at the same time. That ridiculous Godzilla breath that he has is. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's crazy. It's it's just sort of you know laugh worthy. And yet when he melts the um, the power lines yeah. or the towers. It's kind of... It's cool. Yeah, it's pretty it's cool. It's pretty cool, but then his back lights up, and he, ooh, okay, bad no. things are coming. <laughs> yeah, fair he's gonna enough. Heat, he's going to heat my hot pocket. All right. All right. All right, so I guess what I'm saying is... Well, what are we saying? Heath, what would, how would you rate Godzilla? Give it a give it a rating. <laughs> give it a, a thumb or a, a like, something, or a, like an A through F, or a, a like 1, one through 10. 10. Yeah, okay, 1 through 10. 1 through 27. Uh, yeah, 1 through 27. Uh, to 27, okay. Uh, it goes to 11. I don't... What's that? It's oh, Spinal Tap reference. Yeah. One to ten, I think. Oh, I think lady. eight. I, I think like again, like I'd go back to stepping into the shoes of somebody watching it, yep. and it's brand new. And I think it was probably really fucking cool. Yeah. All right, Tommy. Yeah. Oh yeah, I give this a plus. I'm 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 gonna go. Uh, I'm gonna. Give this a 25 out of 27. You know, I never have faith in people. I mean, I'm about to insult well, the yeah, people yeah, in front of, of me, but I never have faith because halfway through, I'm just like, oh, are people going to find this so boring? I don't know. You know, but it's like, I, I think that um, it, it, it holds the attention. It's saying it, something it is, interesting. It is. Okay, first off, let's go. It's a flawed movie in a lot of ways. Yes. And it's slower than we're used to from your average horror movie now. Mm-hmm. Certainly a monster movie, for God's sakes. Yep. It is slower, but I think it, I think it holds up remarkably well. I like it. All right. Well, Total recommend from the Tomcat. Yes, yes. Thank you, everyone, for coming. Before you give us thunderous, thunderous applause, Heath, do you have anything you'd like to plug? No, I, no, not really. Okay. I, I mean, <laughs> Heath Reedy, local comedian, look about him. He's very humble. Come out but to, he's uh, very funny. Uh, super, super humble. But no, we have uh, shows at the Chico's in Old Town Clovis mm-hmm. on uh, Monday, Tuesday. Friday, Saturday. Mm-hmm. Uh, Monday, Tuesday is going to be 7.30. Apollonia. Start. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. There's an open mic afterwards, so if you want to get up and, and tell jokes Do yourself. Do comedy. Fair enough. Tommy, yeah. anything to plug? Uh, no, just check me out on uh, TomSmithComedy.com, and uh, on uh, Twitter, I'm at, at SmittyHaw. Great. If you're a fan of what we do, first of all, we have something like 75 episodes at finleysonfilm.com, free for your listening pleasure. If you find that you're an even bigger fan after listening to some of those, you can become a Patreon subscriber for $5 or more per month. That entitles you to two free uh, extra episodes, not free, extra episodes per month plus access to all the archives. Um, All right. 